Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Welcome to the Omega Particle Podcast. I am your saddened and nostalgic host, Jonathan Wiegand. And I don't know if you've noticed, uh, you beautiful OPP audience, that we're a little delayed in this week's episode. And there's going to be several reasons for that. Not only, you know, I probably had some of the most craziest two weeks of work over the past couple weeks. And I mean, plus there was a little bit of personal stuff mixed in um, within the family, but Nothing to really make me super chipper or like to call being on for uh, an energetic for the podcast. But most of all, it was really saying goodbye and being emotionally connected to these characters that really made it difficult and kind of maybe just procrastinate putting out this review because I knew this was the last one we were going to have. And when I mean review for Picard season three, not of... Omega Particle podcast. Oh gosh, no, we're going strong. It's just talking about Picard and these and these awesome characters, and possibly the last time we'll ever see them again. And I know, never say never, but it's just probably might be a possibility. Fingers crossed for like a Star Trek Legacy show, which might happen. You never know. And I mean, I'm I'm ready to get this show on the road. I mean, there's a lot of luggage with these TNG emotional luggage, I guess you could say, Luna, with this TNG cast and. I mean, to me, overall, gosh, the the ending was perfect. It was dang near perfect. And, I mean, didn't I call that, Luna? When they, didn't I call it? Like, they were saying, I said, I wish the series would end with the camera panning up and the group playing poker. And that's what we got. Like, go back, listen to episode nine of the podcast. If you don't believe me, that's exactly what we got. And, I mean, it's just like fine wine. And, well... Well, my taste in wine is elementary, I've been told, so maybe fine cheese, because I know cheese really well. So do you, Luna? We're big cheese <laughs> aficionados. <laughs> what is going on? Anyway, it was a perfect ending to me, and um, if you guys don't know, which I'm sure you do, that, of course, uh, poker scene is referencing uh, the TNG finale, All Good Things, when Picard finally joined you know, the cruise poker game, and even... Showrunner Terry Milatis um, has said that the final scene was kind of a result of this 45-minute ad-libbing and just letting the cast play poker, like, for real. So apparently, you know, when the Blu-ray hits, we might get an extended cut of this scene, which would be freaking perfect. I know over maybe the past, like, four or five episodes, I've been so worried, you know, are they going to be able to land this plane? That's kind of been the analogy because they have this great season, it's going awesome, but can they just land and get us to the review that we want? And I have to say, they landed the freaking plane. They gave us the ending all of us deserved and needed, and it it couldn't have been done better, in my opinion. Of course, there's a couple narrative things where we're like, uh, nitpicky, of course. But, and I just feel like I, I've read some of the reviews, I've been on the Twitterverse, which may not be the most pleasant place in the world right now but i just see so many like 
Star Trek fan just like crying and screaming and throwing tantrums. And it's just like, this isn't real Trek. It's not good. This isn't TNG. And if you guys ever go back and watch interviews and reviews of when The Next Generation came out in the late 80s, it's kind of the same argument. So it's it's just all cyclical, you know? New Trek is Trek. Like, it's all of it. <laughs> I just lost half my audience. I'm just kidding. Speaking of the podcast and the audience, I want to say that we will be doing our reviews for the next uh, new show that's coming out, Season 2 of Strange New Worlds, and that premieres on June 12th, so we're going to be adding that to our weekly uh, repertoire and, and reviews. So I just hope you know that this season they can kind of bounce back a little bit from the first season, but I'm going to be honest, completely honest with you, Luna, I cannot shake Anson Mount as anything other than the guy from Hell on Wheels. And if you don't know, for all of those in real Linda, Anson Mount played, like, I guess his starring role was, like, the lead character in this Western show called Hell on Wheels that was on AMC here in the U.S. And even Colin Meany in it, is in it. And he's, like, the bad guy. So Chief O'Brien's in it. It's a little fun Star Trek, uh, I guess, uh, premonition before Anson Mount became Pike. But anyway, I, that's a rabbit hole. <laughs> anyway, we have a great show for you today. And, of course, we're going to be reviewing The Last Generation, but also going to be talking about a couple Easter eggs and for what the future holds, like what projects should they switch to now? I'll give you my little 10 cents on that. So join us one last time as we wrap up the series finale for Picard. Luna, let's light this candle. What are you asking? Where does that saying come from? Well, it actually, I think, I forget the astronaut's name, but I think it's one of, like, either the very first guy in space in the 60s, and then some of the Apollo missions used it. That's where they come from. Before they, like, went into space, he said, let's light this candle, which they're on a giant rocket ship. So, the more you know, Alpha Quadrant. Anyway, getting into the review of The Last Generations, I have to say, all good things, you know, must come to an end. Even the things we wish we wouldn't. And such is the case with Star Trek, Picard, Season 3, a series to that. I mean, to put it nicely, I mean, really struggle to find its identity, its pacing, and its overall purpose, you know, the first two seasons. But in the third season, it just kind of finally embraced what it was trying to run away from. You remember the first couple years of Picard they kept just battering us over the head this isn't a TNG reunion this isn't a TNG reunion and then now we get a TNG reunion and it's everything we've ever wanted <laughs> so they were running from their their purpose they're running from their calling and season three it mashes up like peanut butter and jelly and it's beautiful and I mean I you know was wishing you know the story could just give me a couple more episodes one more episodes just spend a little bit more time with these people and then we didn't really have to say goodbye to you know the TNG crew they've grown a lot older they're like a lot more fascinating now they've developed more and I just it was really tough to say goodbye which I mentioned like in the intro of this episode but I have to say if if you as a Star Trek fan have not been enjoying, you know, the fan service that's been kind of definitely purposeful, definitely doing this on purpose, then you're not going to like this finale at all. 
You know, they're, you're not going to like how they wrapped it up. And to me, this finale aimed itself exactly like a laser from the moon. <laughs> it's an Austin Powers reference, okay, Luna? Like a laser from the moon directly at the fans' hearts of anyone who loved the next generation and its characters. Yeah, there's a couple, like, parts, hiccups and shortcuts. But, I mean, overall, it really stuck the landing in, in every single way that mattered in every single way that I wanted it to, it stuck the landing like Simone Biles in the 20, 2012 Olympics. We're going deep on our references here today. Uh, I mean, even the very end of it, with the final confrontation with the Borg and the assimilated Starfleet Armada, it, it's, it's just like a pure video game. It's amazing, like graphics and you have this kind of split. You have uh, the Titan kind of defending, giving Picard time. And it's a very kind of 90s style, you know, movie action sequence, which didn't really give us any purpose then to, you know, make us happy. And I know there's some people that have made the comparison between Return of the Jedi and like the final sequence with Data flying the ship through the, the cube and then blowing it up and then getting out and just in time i'm like okay that's like a a very thin cheap callback or reference to return of the jedi okay i mean it was just so i mean seven speech to her to the crew and then you know you got beverly crusher who's like tactical now and they can be like beep, 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 and it's just and plus like wharf going back and saying like oh i don't fight with phasers i fight with swords because they're just more fun and it's to me some of the best moments of the seasons are these funny emotional ones that are grounded in these decades long relationships that we have with this crew, that we have with these characters. This is really hard to do that. So I have to give hats off to Terry Milatis, to the crew, to the writers, because you couldn't have done this if you were a corporate board person or if you weren't a fan of TNG in any single way. Like, so it's definitely coming from a place of love and appreciation that definitely the fans can relate to. And I mean, there was even the moment with, you know, Picard is choking up with his inability, you know, to kind of talk to number one and saying, hey, what you've meant to me over the years and their lives together, you know, Riker's kind of goodbye to Deanna and then <laughs> Jordy being in wonder of Data's emotions, you know, and how he's finally experiencing things. These are all moments that carry extreme amount of weight, like that NBC show, The Biggest Loser, because we have these relationships to build on. We have these hours and these seasons to show like, oh, this is what Data's always wanted. So again, they did such a good job because if you don't, if you don't have that connection, it may not mean anything to you. Like if I show this to my beautiful wife, it might be like, okay, well, why do I care? That's not funny or this doesn't make sense. And it's just because there's no time in the years and it's okay. I'm rambling, but <laughs> it's hard. It's hard not to. I just be honest. It's very hard not to. And again, this is very difficult for me not to ramble and to stick on script because I can talk about these, the TNG crew forever kind of going back to the narrative purpose you know the showrunners and and the writers really made it feel like you know the conclusion and how they get there 
they tie up like in a general sort of way, but let's not get too specific. We don't really have to do that. But definitely a lot better than previous season's finales. I will say that. <laughs> I just love seeing Picard, you know, uh, risk becoming Locutus again in order to save his son. You know, that's the, the stuff that Patrick Stewart lives to play. And um, seeing him face off with the Borg Queen one last time was probably what the series was always like destined to. And, we, and we'll cover this on our Easter egg segment talking about, oh, we get an answer to what happened in Voyager's Endgame episode, which was that series finale and how, you know, the Borg semi-survived. I guess it didn't survive, but we'll cover that in the uh, Easter egg section. But we see a great fatherhood theme that we've we've kind of seen throughout this whole show and this whole season. So it's awesome to kind of wrap it all together. Picard make the ultimate sacrifice and is like, no, even if it's just me and you, Ban, we're going to be in this collective together and i did kind of like the how they showed the collective which i was always curious about how that looked but maybe that's a little bit different and i mean it, we didn't really get any specifics about crusher's assimilation his outfit change he's suddenly able to throw off the board control and it, i mean does it really work not not really not entirely but the season finale or series finale really leans, you know, into the cheesy heart of the moment and Stewart and Ed Spielers, like they kind of sell the heck out of it. They really acted their way out of a paper bag on this one. And I was really impressed. And John Luke's decision to finally choose his son over everything he's always put before, it was awesome. You see this kind of cap on his character development now and and speaking of the cheesy moments, we did have some tense moments as well on the flip side of that. Uh, to the episode's credit, I mean, it did feature a few, but I mean, we all knew that, you know, nothing was really awful going to happen. But did we? I will say there was a couple moments I was like genuinely nervous about Riker and Worf. I'm like, are they really not going to be able to... <laughs> come back and tell your loved ones how much you mean to them kind of treatment in the board cube and um you know Riker I think did it twice so I, I'm glad you know this isn't this like bleak gritty sci-fi drama like severance on apple tv or you know some of these other great sci-fi dramas right now it, this is kind of a warm fuzzy affirmation you know that that we have a future that love is still humanity's greatest achievement and it was nice to see that so perhaps the most expected part or to me I, i've talked to a lot of fans out there thank you guys for your comments and questions and kind of freaking out and nerding with you over the past week or so is that a lot of people were kind of surprised you know that how the picard final really kind of just wrapped up the borg invasion they just kind of like got it over pretty quick and the episode clocks in at over an hour, but the last quarter of the episode is basically devoted to giving us the last few moments, favorite characters and determining what's next for them and what to me felt like a setup of a spinoff. Like they set the show up for a spinoff. They set up the Enterprise spinoff. They set up a legacy spinoff. That's how it felt to me. They wouldn't, I mean, for example, not allowing Seven to say her catchphrase and, and stuff like that. I'm like, they're, they're setting us up. Like, they are putting on a silver plate and say, 
come get it. And we're like, seconds, please, because that's what we want. I, I know they're kind of being tongue-in-cheek, like, well, nothing is coming out just yet. Nothing is confirmed. And we're like, we know what you have planned because we know how much money and how, I mean, it's got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes season three, so they are going to be churning out this chugga 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 cash train for more movies and series. I guarantee it. But going back to the fleet and our beloved legacy characters, so we, we see Jordy kind of return to the uh, fleet museum with the Enterprise D, and she's kind of given this uh, centerpiece, I guess you could say, among the other classic Starfleet ships. And <laughs> then you have like Data is, is going to Counselor Troy and kind of talking to her. Uh, over for hours and hours and hours and all these sessions and then the Rikers or I mean the Rikers I guess they're the Rikers yeah uh, are going on their first vacation since you know their son's illness so that's great you see them healing and bonding and and then I love them the party scene attempt forward them getting like plastered together playing poker quoting Julius Caesar I mean it's just like the good old freaking days just reminded us you know all sorts of these relationships that once again will keep going in the Star Trek lore that they will keep going well after the series final credits roll. And I mean, in a lot of, and I've kind of mentioned this before in a lot of ways, you know, the finale doesn't really feel like a definitive ending as it does, you know, to be continued conclusion, but it's incredibly heartfelt and lovely. And maybe the best thing any of us could ever ask for, for the series conclusion. If, you know, the fact is that, you know, Star track Picard may be over but there's anything to go by like I said that cash train's coming and we're gonna get some uh, awesome shows in the future I mean especially with I mean the freaking credit the end credit scene Jack Crusher you know ends up in Starfleet which I was kind of surprised by but he ends up in Starfleet he's on the new Enterprise G and oh I'm sorry Enterprise F <laughs> okay um, with Captain 7 and Rafi's her first officer but Okay, they, they dated, and now she's her first officer. I'm sure there's no, like, direct, like, conflict of interest there. But I guess anything goes, you know, when you save the freaking universe. So I guess they'll let you have that one. But it's just, like, to me, like, that's going to be a show. They, they brought back John DeLance's Q in his, like, you know, the predictable outerwear that we expect of Q. And this kind of just shows that season two didn't mean anything, that his death at season two... Sorry for spoilers, but apparently they don't mean anything because his response of, oh, my time is is not as uh, linear as yours. I'm like, okay, so we're just going to completely ignore season two then. That took all the emotional weight out of it. I never have to watch it again. Thank you. I don't hate it. I don't hate that they brought him back as long as we get more shows. Like if they just never mentioned it ever again, I'd be like, oh, that went nowhere. That's a dead end on a country road. Thanks a lot. Yes, even, you know, the one-year time jump and we kind of get to see the happy families, you know, with John, Luke, and Jack, and Beverly kind of just bet us past, you know, all that emotional work and, and therapy sessions, you know, just took them just straight to the happy place, you know, that took all that work that to get them there at that point. And, and the fact of the matter is, I've seen a couple memes about this, there's no Laris ever ever she's on some bar 
hanging out waiting for him. That's it. Sorry, Laris. Laris. That's it, Laris? Yeah. I'm not drinking. <laughs> and I guess the Picard Crusher romance front, you know, that's that's the front and center. That's what we're going with. And I guess Laris is an afterthought. But, you know, that's perfectly fine. However, I think we will get a Star Trek Legacy show. I think we'll get an Enterprise show. I think we're going to get a couple more things. I mean, after all, you never know what might happen. We've said for, you know, decades, you know, we may never see these people again. And boom, we get this beautiful Monet of a season. So who knows? Maybe the next generation crew's time isn't over yet. But I'm grateful this is how, if they had to go out, they go out like this. And, you know, we all get to be a part of it. Now the big question, what now? So I've said before, we have no official word on Legacy or an Enterprise show, but what now? I think PP+, that's what I call Paramount+, Plus. PP+, Plus, they need to create a DS9 movie right now. With the announcement of the Picard series finale, Paramount, PP+, Plus, has begun producing like original Star Trek movies. And I think a DS9 reunion movie should be at the top of the potential projects. Uh, we got the announcement that Section 31 movie would be the first original movie for the streaming service. And a lot, this allows a plethora and a wide open door to so many stories, just one-off great stories in Star Trek that you know we can start seeing on Paramount+. Plus. Now, it was supposed to be a series, but then after, obviously, the success of everything... Ev- Let me see if I can get this title right. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, use, you know, she won Best uh, Actress for it as an Oscar, so obviously she's very demanding. Her schedule's very demanding, should I say? Not her, but her schedule's very demanding. So, who knows, like... Maybe this was just a trade-off to be like, look, we can't do a whole series, but we can do a movie. And that PP Plus was like, sure, we'll do that. I mean, it just kind of fits, you know? Like, you have the darker tone and the morally complex storylines of DS9. You know, that that revival could just sit and slip in so comfortably alongside just morally complex section 31 movie and even the moral complexities that Picard raised you know during the Dominion War I just feel like correct me if I'm wrong and I've said this before that this quote-unquote new track you know we have just an impressive array of this these legacy characters in recent years the characters from DS9 have largely been absent I mean there's been a couple exceptions there hasn't been anything on the level of, of course, the TNG crew, Voyager's stealth sequel, Star Trek Prodigy. You know, what? while DS9's ending was more definitive than its Star Trek other, like, colleagues, there's still a huge narrative potential in revisiting, you know, the crew of that Terok Nor. And it's so strange that the franchise has just, like, largely shielded away from doing it. To me, just thinking out loud, you know, there's been such a positive response to Star Trek Picard Season 3. It introduced people to Changelings again and exploration of the Minion War and, and the aftermath of it. It's just is a reignited interest in DS9. So now let's build upon that. So we, we have, of course, like I said, you know, Michael Dorn, Worf, he was a regular character on DS9. 
it was odd that none of his crewmates appeared alongside him when Starfleet was dealing with changelings. You know, we didn't see Kira Norris, a Jadzia Dax. We didn't see anything, and that's just so surprising. And I just think this was the best time to kind of bring one of those back seamlessly and just would fit so perfectly. I mean, to me, I think the Dominion and the Changelings are still a threat in the Star Trek's 25th century. And I know, like, you know, you had this rogue leader of uh, that Captain Vatic was for the evolved Changelings. It was still clear there's a lot of scars and a lot of areas that need to be healed left over from the Dominion War. And I just feel like, you know, they could have set up future... Um, you know, conflicts, you know, because of this whole new style and new evolution of changelings. So, and many people may be wondering, why, Jonathan, has there been no love for DS9? This season three would have been perfect time to swoop in, sit next to him, and um, I think we have a reason. So speaking at San Diego Comic-Con in 2022, Kurtzman said that he would have to be very careful with their approach and that Captain Benjamin Sisko, played by the wonderful Avery Brooks, was crucial. Brooks' apparent reluctance to return to Star Trek could be one of the big stumbling blocks for DS9's return. I, I understand the reluctance and, and the hesitancy make a DS9 revival or bring in DS9 without Cisco. However, you could still do it. You know, I mean, you can make a film focused on, you know, how Jake Cisco cope with the disappearance of his father or or more realistically you know a film about dr brashear and his attempts to learn more about section 31 and almost like a spy thriller type of thing i don't know it's i i think there's a lot of different ways you could bring and mold and intertwine these two section 31 ds9 and bring these series back into the franchise fold in our last segment for today's episode let's get into some wonderful easter eggs and there's i think there's only three or four that we're going to cover today but the first one is so great and so on the nose during the last episode when picard says what began over 35 years ago ends tonight and this refers you know to the fact that the events of the best of both worlds happened in 2366 which would be exactly 35 years before the present of picard season three in 2401 However, in real life, it's been 36 years since the debut of The Next Generation 1987, so that number kind of connects to our world too. So it's not crazy, so that was a little fun fact. Easter egg number two that I really liked is that uh, Picard references the Unimatrix array, and this concept comes from Voyager, specifically the episode two-parter Scorpion, which introduced Seven of Nine by this segment nation. Seven of Nine, tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix 01. And so this Borg Unimatrix was simply a like specific division of the Hive. So the Voyager episode Unimatrix 0 established a secret part of the collective where the Borg tried to hide their minds from the Queen, and of course it didn't last. So it's cool he referenced, you know, hey, this Unimatrix array, that's what Unimatrix array is and how it connects to Voyager. And of course, speaking on the Borg, um, there's one very, very relevant world-building detail that is dropped by the Borg Queen when she says, up until recently, there was no collective left. This makes it clear we're dealing with the Prime Universe Collective, 
defeated by Janeway in Voyager's Endgame. This is also why the Queen is voiced by Alice Cridge and why the Borg needed the help of the Changelings all season long. And just a refresher, the Borg Queen was like basically sucking the energy from all the drones, you know, until they literally were nothing. So that's really gross. So that has been a review, insights, and I think everything in between for our series finale of Picard. Luna, let's wrap it up. Thank you all for joining us, I mean, on this journey of finishing season three of Picard. And I have to say, I'm super sentimental. I I really wanted to put this off because I didn't want to make it and kind of cap, you know, the season. But I've really enjoyed doing the reviews and, you know, having my routine of the episode prep through the week and talking to fans every week. And I just really enjoyed it. So it's it's definitely coming from a place of uh, thankfulness and gratitude But fear not, you know, we're going to be back this week on Thursday. Uh, I think that's the new schedule, right, Luna? Just every Thursday releasing amazing content and continuing our excursion into podcasting excellence. And uh, again, thank you for listening. And I can't wait to meet with you again. And until next time, second start at the right, straight on till morning.